Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and felt or seen something watching you? We've all had nightmares before, but what if these begin to seep into the waking world? Our listener, George Posadas, I hope I've said your name uh, correctly there, George, uh, got in touch at paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com to ask if we could do an episode on sleep paralysis. Well, thank you, George, for your great suggestion. And it's a subject that fascinates me as it's something that has affected me and my daughter, Mary. Although we haven't had the paralysis, we do suffer from night terrors. As I began to research this subject, I realised that this strange behaviour happens to many people all over the world. Strange things can happen to us when we sleep and not at all pleasant. So let's start with night terrors then. What are they and why do they happen? Well, night terrors are episodes of screaming, intense fear and flailing while still asleep. These are often paired with sleepwalking and are considered a parasomnia, an undesired occurrence during sleep. Another form of parasomnia is sleep paralysis, where you suddenly wake up but you can't move or speak. During a sleep terror episode, a person may begin with a frightening scream or shout, sit up in bed and appear absolutely terrified, stare wide-eyed, sweat, breathe heavily and have a racing pulse, flush face and dilated pupils. They might kick and thrash around. They're also very hard to wake up and be confused if woken up. They're also inconsolable. And the weird thing is they have no or little memory of the event the next morning. Possibly they might get out of bed and run around the house or have aggressive behaviour if blocked or restrained. A lot of people will have had a vision and thought perhaps that there was a ghost sitting or standing at the end of the bed. These ghostly visitations can mostly be logically explained away. During two types of sleep states, hypnagogic, that's the moment when you are just dropping off to sleep, and hypnopompic, that's when you're waking up, the right temporal lobe of the brain is at its most active and tricks you into thinking that someone is either talking to you or showing themselves to you. It's like you're dreaming, but your eyes are fully open and you're really living in this world that your brain has created. The brain is such a huge, amazing part of our bodies that we still don't understand it fully and we only use a small portion of it to function in our daily lives. I wonder, 
what we as humans would be capable of if we unlocked the whole of our brains. Maybe our egos would be suppressed and maybe humans could have a peaceful existence in the future. Ah, wouldn't that be wonderful? We hope. So when my daughter Mary began with the night terrors, myself and Carl uh, really didn't know what to do, but more of that later on. I myself have suffered from these so-called night terrors for many, many years. And let me tell you, I am almost too afraid to go to sleep most nights. Many years ago, during the height of filming for Most Haunted, I remember I had just finished a live show and then had to travel to London to stay in a hotel as I was working on a show for ITV the following day. I was absolutely exhausted. And as soon as I got into my hotel room, it wasn't long before I fell asleep. Suddenly, I was startled awake in my room by a noise and turn the bedside light on. The noise was as if something was moving around in the room. With the light on, I turned to my right and I leant over the bed and, and looked to where this sound was coming from. And to my absolute horror, I saw a man, a solid man, and he had his head down and he was crawling, crawling along the floor. He was a big man and he was wearing blue jeans and he was wearing a, 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 a colourful tartan shirt. I screamed the hotel down in absolute abject fear and terror. I ran out of the room or tried to and woke up desperately trying to get out of the door. I was scratching and clawing at the door, trying to get out the door handle. Fortunately for me, I couldn't work the lock out uh, because obviously I was still asleep. Otherwise, I would have been standing in the hallway in my big lady pants and wouldn't have been able to get back into my room as I wouldn't have had the, the key card. As you can imagine, I was in a terrible state. I was shaking. I was sweating. Even now you can hear it in my voice. The memory of it was just so awful. It was so real. I really, really believed that there was a man in my room. I needed to get help. I needed to call someone. I realised that my mobile phone was just on the edge of the side table as you sort of go down a little corridor and to the left it was there where the television was. So I walked nervously back in without looking. I didn't look into the room. I sashed my phone where I instantly ran back to the door and phoned Carl. It was in the early hours of the morning. He answered straight away, thinking something must be up, as I don't usually call him uh, in the middle of the night. When he heard my hysterical sobbing and crying, he knew straight away what had happened. After about 10 minutes of, of calming me down, he managed to persuade me that I had had another night terror and that nothing was in my room. Still on the phone to Carl, he told me, go on, it's all right. Go on, have a look round the corner. You'll see that nobody's there. And I did as he, as, as he told me to do. And to my absolute relief, discovered that he was right. Now, this is just one example of the hell that I go through on a regular basis. I've never really admitted this to anybody before. So now I admit, I'm admitting it to you. I do wake up with a sore throat most times um, with a foggy memory of me screaming in terror 
during the wee small hours. Waking up in a dark room to see someone standing over you. In, in my case, it's usually a man, uh, a cloaked figure like a monk, or sometimes some sort of horrible alien monster creature with an evil face and talons and slimy skin. Ugh, these images are so solid and very real. And they're, they're a real threat to me and my family. I, I try everything from punching, kicking and hitting them with my pillow. Sometimes Carl will find me. He'll hear me screaming <laughs> and he'll come in and find me sort of standing, trying to get into the wardrobe door. I, I don't know where I think in my head that the wardrobe's going to take me, but I'm, I'm there trying to get inside it. The feeling of total terror is so real. And it's absolutely beyond any fear I've ever experienced in my life. It's all so real, so horrendous. I wake up often with tears streaming down my face as I know that I've just had another terrifying encounter with something horrible in my room. I'll scream a real gut-wrenching cry that wakes the whole house up. And it could be really embarrassing when staying over at someone's house as a guest. I actually, when people invite me now... Um, friends will say, why don't you come and stay over, you and Carl, and we'll have a lovely night and we can have something to drink, a bottle of wine, you can stay over. I always have to say no uh, because I'm embarrassed because I have one of these terrible uh, uh, night terrors and it always happens when I don't know where I am as well, when I'm sleeping in a strange hotel or in a, in a, strange, uh, in a friend's house. And I remember having uh, a night terror. In fact, this is probably one of the last times I, I stayed at a, a, a friend's house. Funny enough, it's Paul O'Grady's house. And I, I woke up on the floor. Just fortunately, thank God, uh, Paul didn't hear anything. Uh, I told him about it the next morning because I thought, oh my God, I bet he heard me going mental and screaming in his in his spare room. But I, he said he, he didn't hear anything, but I was so embarrassed nonetheless. I've discovered that what I need to do is to relax and not think about spooky stuff, which is very hard to do in my line of work, and only think of lovely, fluffy things when it's close to my bedtime. And if you're a sufferer like me, um, please try this recipe. All I do is get myself really relaxed before bedtime. I make sure in the afternoon uh, and uh, in the evening that I'll only watch good things, happy things, nice things, uh, happy movies. Uh, please try it if you suffer like I do and let me know how you get on. Night terrors, of course, are more common in children and they do tend to grow out of them. But what about the adults like myself who are still suffering from this unnatural sleep state? Yes, there is a logical scientific side, a rational solution. But, and this is probably where you've been saying, what's this got to do with paranormal activity? And here's the question. Could there be something else at work here? Could there be a paranormal side? My poor daughter Mary had a terrible uh, time with night terrors from about five years through to nine years of age. It was awful because she looked awake. Her eyes were open. And when me or Carl would go into a bedroom to calm her down, you'd think you, we'd managed to soothe her and she's okay. But then she'll point at nothing in the corner of the room and the absolute look of terror on her face. And she's screaming, telling us that it's there. It's there. It's coming for her. And the most heartbreaking thing is there's nothing that we could do for her. We just cuddled her and waited for it to pass and for her to fall back to sleep again. 
I've often wondered though, what if some of my terrors aren't all in my head? What if some of them are real? Perhaps a ghost of a man really did come into my room that night in the hotel. That I will never know. And then of course, there's the work of the incubus and succubus. Now, bear with me. These entities absolutely terrified me when I was younger. If you are one of our podcast paranormal investigators and have listened to our bonus episode of the Pendle Witches, you will know that an incubus is a male demon or spirit that visits sleeping women at night to have sexual intercourse with them. Both incubus and succubus spirits pay visits to their victims during nights. Succubus is a female spirit that lies upon sleeping males to have sex with them. Could it be these spirits manipulating us when we are at our most vulnerable? Now, I'm going to read to you from a medical paper that I found very interesting. Now, it's from the Industrial Psychiatry Journal and um, it was written... Um, by Sandeep Grover, Asin Mehra and Devaskishi Dua. And it's all about unusual cases of incubus and succubus, more so on the succubus, methinks. So succubus is understood as a Lilin demon in a female form or supernatural entity that appears in dreams to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. The descriptions of the same can be traced back to the folklore of medieval times. The male equivalence of this is known as an incubus. Many anthropologists and psychologists believe the explanation of succubus and incubus to be supernatural explanations for sleep paralysis and hypnagogic and hypnagogic Pompic hallucinations. Try saying that after a beer. So case one is about an 18-year-old um, young man. The patient explained that at night when he would go to his bed, he could feel the sensation of being touched by a female whom he would describe as a good-looking woman. He did not want this experience. This would have happened against his will, would feel guilty about having such an experience and having sexual contact with an unknown female. And he was fully convinced about having such an experience. Very occasionally, he would get up from the sleep after his experience and remained distressed and fearful. In his explanation, he had a strong belief that a witch was doing this to him. There was no history with this patient of narcolepsy, insomnia, hypersomnia, sleep terrors, nightmares, sleep-related movement disorders and sleep paralysis. Based on this information, after um, uh, lots of resonant imaging of his brain, it did not reveal any abnormality. Another case, again, was a 24-year-old male. He uh, was having, when he was asleep, was having auditory phenomena. He was hearing voices um, which he recognised as uh, a teacher. She would express her love towards him. He also said that this teacher would touch him. He described as the bed uh, vibrating. He would feel his body uh, vibrate. And this would occur mainly at night uh, when he would be either fully asleep or awake or alone. Um, and he would hear the voice of this uh, woman claiming to respons be responsible 
responsible for these sensations. He could also hear that this person, this this being was in love with him and wanted to have sexual intercourse with him. He also believed that his body was under the control of this entity who forced him to indulge in sexual activities against his will. And this experience was not associated with any drugs. And at the time of his mental status examination, everything was normal. So the term succubus was for the first time used in the late 14th century to describe supernatural beings derived from a Latin word succuba, meaning to lie beneath, sub, under, cubra, to lie in bed. According to the folklore belief, succubus is descended from the ancient figure of Lilith, who was the first wife of Adam. She left Adam and refused to return to the Garden of Eden after she mated with Archangel Samuel, who mated with four succubi. From Mesopotamian to Hebrew, Lilith was usually associated with the devil in both proximity and depiction. Lilith is blamed for diseases, infliction on men, but also for wandering about at nighttime, vexing the sons of men and causing them to defile themselves. Further, as per the folklore belief, the succubus can take the form of a beautiful young girl who may have deformities of her body, such as a bird-like, uh, having claws or serpentine tails. One of the few references to Lilith in the Bible is Isaiah. Here she is referred to as a screech owl, i.e. a creature of the night, and more aptly referred to as the night monster. In the Good News Bible, regarding sexual activities, folklore descriptions suggest that the Succubi forced the men to perform various sexual acts. As per the religious beliefs, having repeated sexual activity with a succubus can lead to deterioration in both physical and mental health or can also lead to death. Many other cultures have sex demons as part of their mythology. In Arabic culture, there are descriptions of jinns who are thought to be responsible for similar sexual acts. According to African beliefs, many who experience having sex with such principality, succubus, in dreams, usually in the form of a beautiful woman, find themselves exhausted as soon as they awaken. The Alp of Teutonic or German folklore is one of the better known. In Zanzibar, Papa Bewa primarily attacks men and generally behind closed doors. In Hungary, a Ladirik can be a satanic lover that flies at night and appears as a fiery light, or in its more benign form, as a featherless chicken. In Swedish folklore, there is the Mara or Mare, a spirit or goblin that rides on the chests of humans while they sleep, giving them bad dreams or nightmares. Belief in the Mare goes back to the Norse saga from the 13th century. In Turkish culture, incubus is known as Karabasin. In all traditions, generally, it is believed that repeated sexual activity with a succubus may result in the deterioration of health or even death. In India, the succubus is referred to as a yakshini, who are attendees of Hindu gods of wealth. Kubera are considered to be guardians of hidden treasures in the earth. They are shown as beautiful, voluptuous females with wide hips and narrow waist, broad shoulders and exaggerated spherical breasts. Yakshinis are believed to provide gratification to senses as they have extreme beauty and have power to delight the body.
In medical literature, researchers have tried to understand the phenomenon of incubus as a feature of sleep paralysis and hypnagogic hallucination, which can easily cause someone to believe that a demon was holding them down. In one of our patients, they, they say, the phenomenon was described in the awake state and the second patient described the phenomena during the sleep. However, both our patients were fully convinced about their experiences occurring against their will and had delusional beliefs associated with the same. However, both our patients were fully convinced about the experiences occurring against their will. Uh, and these symptoms that they've experienced responded to various medications and it did improve uh, the symptoms. But this did lead to the conclusion that both of our patients had the phenomenon of what they believed to be a succubus. Research shows that people in countries as diverse as China, East Africa, Mexico, Newfoundland and the USA have long believed that sleep paralysis is caused by demons, witches or other supernatural creatures. In fact, some researchers believe sleep paralysis is what is really going on with stories of alien abductions. Cleet Kushida, MD, PhD and Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioural Science at Stanford University, studied a woman. The woman was in her late 50s. Every night she would fall asleep and then dream that she was unable to move, but that her husband was coming into their room and trying to attack her. Helpless, she could neither move nor cry out. Although this is frightening, Cleet says people can take steps to stop these sorts of episodes. So if you do take a nap in the afternoon, like I used to do, stop doing that, and I have. Get as much sleep as possible. Sleep-deprived people enter REM very quickly, which means that they're still awake when their bodies get paralysed. This is another one, apparently, which... I don't know if I can do, but it says here, don't sleep on your back. But you can't, you don't know where you're going to end up sleeping, do you? Which, which position you're going to be in? I'm often on my back, snoring. And also the most important thing is seek care. Now, this type of terror really does plague millions of people and is petrifying to experience. Imagine waking up, but you can't open your eyes. You, you open your mouth to cry out or move your body. And then the worst thing is that you can sense a big, heavy weight on top of you, pressing you down. Is this all in the brain or is there something else at play here? Perhaps as we've just uh, discussed, an incubus or a succubus. I've had friends who have suffered with this terrible sleep state and it's awful to see. All you can do is soothe that person and hope that they wake up soon. My friend Debs told me recently about her traumatic encounter with an entity that came into her bedroom. Was it some form of sleep state that she encountered? I doubt it because she talks about the fact that her husband witnessed it too. So, was it some sort of demon? Listen to Deb's story. Tell me what you think. I was in bed with my uh, husband. No, we don't want to know what you were doing. No. <laughs> As I thought, my eldest girl at the time must have been about seven. She walked in the bedroom, as we thought. So we said, could you leave the bedroom? Um, go, go and get back in bed. So she went. Then probably two weeks later, 
um, it entered the bedroom again. So this figure about three foot high... Maybe more, about four foot, yeah. ...came to the bottom of the bed and grasped hold of my ankles. It was really hot. It had um, red slitty eyes and it dragged me, well, tried to drag me completely off the bed, but only got me halfway off the bed because my husband linked his hands under my arms and dragged me back up. With fright, we just took the bed downstairs and just slept downstairs until we got a move out of the house. So do you think it could have been a dream? No, definitely not a dream. Definitely not a dream. Um, Well, I know, I I know, I wasn't asleep. We were awake. And and the fact that both of you... Yeah. And he saw it to you. Absolutely. And and the fact you... And I was kicking for all my might just just for it to let go of me. So what do you think it was then? Well, I think it was an evil little so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you saw it first time... First time and then the second time. And you were awake when you saw Absolutely it. awake. <gasps> not been to sleep, not dozing to sleep. Yeah, it would have been about nine o'clock, so I, I know I wasn't asleep. You, you know, we were just in bed. So if anybody who was, you know, a logical thinker that said to you, well, you must have imagined it, you know. No. You know, it could have been a a nighttime sleep terror or some form of sleep paralysis. What would you say? I'd say no, it wasn't. We were wide awake, well aware of what was going on. In fact, I was working um, in a shop at the time and a man came in and said, "Um, have you had any funny goings on? And I was like, what? Um, And he said, have you had any... um, visitors and I I thought oh you don't know I didn't I didn't know what he was on about so he said let me just tell you you've got an evil spirit after you and you've got a good spirit that's protecting you (gasps) he said that to me and he said what I advise you to do is go home and welcome them good spirits that are trying to protect you oh it's made me go all shivery and also I used to feel a pain on my shoulder I'm not natting on now used to feel a pain on my shoulder and then a couple of weeks after I had three holes there on my shoulder yeah because some people wake up with scratches on them yeah don't they gosh it was awful absolutely awful well I'm glad you don't have you haven't had any other experiences like that of recent no no well, fingers crossed. I think they got the wrong legs. I think they were after my husband. It's <laughs> 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 just it. <laughs> so in Deb's case, after listening to it again, in her mind, it definitely wasn't a night terror. Do you think that in some cases, spirits can come to us when we are in a deep sleep? Well, after listening to everything and and talking about everything, I definitely think so. An incubus or a succubus? Oh, I tremor to think I'm going to have to watch extra Winnie the Poohs later on. Here's another case that I discovered while researching. This case is taken from liveabout.com and written in 2018 by Stephen Wagner. He writes, some people have the misfortune of meeting demons in their lives. One such entity that some people encounter is a succubus. A succubus is a demon, as we now know, in female form that appears to men. Interactions with a succubus can lead to intense injuries or even death. There is a male counterpart to a succubus known as an incubus. Both beings are deadly and have evil intent towards their victims. Both creatures have been featured in literature and movies, but many believe them to be real and incredibly dangerous. To encounter a succubus apparently is to be in danger of death, but some people have survived the meeting. 
In December 2012 in Bakersfield, California, a young man named Ethan had a demonic encounter. After returning from school, Ethan was tired and worn out, but still had plenty of homework to do. He worked late into the night before finally collapsing into bed. He fell asleep instantly, but did not sleep soundly. He dreamt that an evil being was in his home and it was trying to get into his bedroom. It finally broke in and as soon as it did, Ethan jolted awake with a ringing sound in his ears. Ethan felt the demon. It was on the wall behind his head, holding Ethan's limbs down. It had something in his ears and his left ear began to vibrate violently. The strange sensation spread to his right ear as well. Ethan fought as best as he could, but he could not break free. He cursed at the being and tried to free his arms or legs. The demon only laughed at him, an eerie and horrific sound that was neither deep nor high-pitched. The demon cried out, soon, and released Ethan. Ethan sat up rapidly, leaping about the bed to turn on the lights. But when the light flooded his bedroom, there was nothing out of the ordinary there. However, Ethan's dogs were acting abnormally, barking, leaping at the door and trying desperately to get to their owner. He went to the bathroom and was startled to see his reflection in the mirror. His eyes were bloodshot, with the whites of the eyes completely red. Ethan realised he'd been visited by a succubus demon. Ethan remained terrified of the demon returning, but has not had another incident ever since. Ethan's story is remarkable in its detail, but also because he survived his encounter with the demon. Most who come into contact with any demon, let alone a succubus, does not live to tell the tale. Is the succubus real? While evidence is hard to come by, there are plenty of people like Ethan who have had very similar stories about their encounters with them. Either it's an elaborate hoax with people working together to come up with a consistent story or something more sinister is at work. I believe that in some cases, a lot like mine, can just be the brain reacting to being overstimulated. I note that my night terrors happen more frequently when I'm stressed or tired. But then I ask myself, was the man crawling along the floor all in my mind? Or could it have been a ghost? That, as I've already said, I will never know. None of us will really know what goes on when we're asleep, where our consciousness mind travels to, and, more importantly, who visits us. I want to let you know about an amazing new offer just for you. We're launching a new weekly bonus series, Yvette Investigates. Each week, we'll be releasing a new episode as part of an investigation into a paranormal event or phenomena with leading experts and historians. For just 99 pence a week, you get this exclusive bonus episode delivered into your podcast feed, as well as getting our main episode ad-free and a day earlier than everybody else. There's three different tiers you can subscribe to. Head to paranormalpod.co.uk now to find out how to subscribe and become one of our podcast paranormal investigators. As a special thanks, we'll even give the first 50 paranormal investigators a shout out and a big thank you on the podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This week's story is from Cameron, who encountered strange blobs in his bedroom when growing up. Hi there, I'm Cameron. I currently live in North Hampshire, but I was born in Scarborough, North Yorkshire. So when I was growing up, we lived in a normal house and a normal estate. Um, But I remember as I was growing up, I used to encounter certain things in my room. Now, my room was a big room, um, and I used to keep the door ajar with the uh, landing light on because I was always afraid of the dark back when I was little. And I remember one night I had my head under the covers and I could hear the door swinging backwards and forwards on its own. And I remember rightly there was no windows open in the house as it was a cold night. So I just edged my head out of the cover and I could see these two little black things pushing the door to each other. And I was really scared being young at the time. And all I can describe, it wasn't human form, but it was more like um, black blobs or like slugs, you could say, crawling on the floor. And they were pushing the door to each other. I remember it really clearly. And this sort of opened my eyes to the paranormal and I got really inspired by this encounter. But I kept encountering these things through the years at this house. So I bravely told my mum about it. And she used to say, oh, yeah, I see a man walking down the stairs every now and then. I'm not too sure if these were connected to the man, but we later found out that the man was connected to the allotments down the road. Um, 
but again, this inspired me to uh, become a paranormal investigator. And I used to, um, I used to always tell my mum to uh, call me down when Mouse Haunted was on. And uh, since this experience, I've had many other experiences in many locations. Um, so yeah, this is the experience that really stood out to me, and it's the one that really started my love of the paranormal off. Thank you so much, Cameron, for your story. The door swinging back and forth and those black things pushing the door to each other. Black blobs, I'm thinking that they could possibly have been the image of two children. And were you seeing their outline, perhaps? Perhaps it was their energy. Um, the fact that you say that your mum sees the ghost of a man in the house, maybe the children were connected to the man that your mum witnessed. I think I can safely say that as children, we've all hidden underneath our bedclothes at one time or another in fear. I remember doing exactly that when my silver music box, which was shaped like a miniature grand piano, decided to play all on its own. It used to play the tune, which is the theme for The Godfather movie. I know, strange choice of music. But to get the piano to play, you had to open the top of it to to fully trigger the musical device uh, to play. Well, you can imagine me. I was only five and spent the rest of the night shaking under the sheets as the theme to The Godfather rang out until it wound creepily down, getting slower and slower until it stopped. I think I weed the bed that night. On that note, thank you for sharing your experience, Cameron, and keep them coming in. Being a paranormal investigator, I'm sure you'll have plenty. I can't wait to hear the paranormal stories that you've sent in to us. Or have you had a paranormal encounter with a ghost, extraterrestrial or something unexplained? If you have, send us a voice note. Don't be shy. Into this address, paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com and you could be featured on the next episode. Alexandra Gibson from Sandbox Hypnotherapy is here with me now to perhaps understand more about night terrors and sleep paralysis. So, Alexandra, welcome to the show. Let's start with night terrors. What exactly is happening? Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Yvette. Let's let's talk a little bit about night terrors. I think maybe the first thing to consider is what's the difference between night terror and nightmares because people often get the two confused. A night terror happens perhaps more at the beginning of the night's sleep and happens in what we call deep sleep. And often during a night terror, people will move around and maybe cry out and, and, and appear to be quite distressed. And uh, somebody might wake them up and they'll generally have no memory of what's happened because it's happened during what we call deep sleep. A nightmare is slightly different. A nightmare happens in a different phase of sleep called REM sleep. We'll talk a little bit about that later, I think. That's a kind of lighter form of sleep. And a nightmare is a kind of dream. So often if we have a nightmare, we'll wake up in the middle of it or we'll wake up at the end of it. And because we do most of our REM sleeping at the end of our night's sleep, when we wake up, we often remember the nightmare. So there's a bit of a difference here. So a night terror, generally you'd wake up uh, and the person who had experienced night terror wouldn't have any memory of what they've been doing or saying or anything about it. 
But with a nightmare, you probably would remember what was going on. Right. So, so as um, our um, lovely listeners have already heard, I suffer terribly with 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 night terrors. I mean, it's so bad. Sometimes I'm so fr- as I'm talking about it now, I'm getting emotional. I have to really decompress, and I have to watch. Um, sorry for repeating myself. Um, if you're. <laughs> listening to this again but I have to watch uh, Mary Poppins I have to watch uh, Winnie the Pooh that does help me um but because of my line of work and my fascination with the paranormal I am writing books about it I'm doing this podcast about it I'm um on my own often in an investigation in a dark terrifying place and I'm scared to death and I don't know why it's happening but it's been happening on and off now for years the most terrifying phenomena because it is real and there is something in my room. I can see it. Sometimes it's a man. Sometimes it's a hooded figure. Sometimes it's even more than that. It's something, a real monster that that I, I, I can see it and my eyes are open, but this is happening all the time. And I'm terrified that if I don't do something about it, it's going to be the end of me. I know that sounds dramatic, but I, I don't know what else to do. Well, thank you. That, that was really interesting to hear that. So just a couple of things I'd like to talk about there. Um, so you do have a memory of what you saw and what you experienced, don't you? Mm. Um, yes. So yes. Um, uh, we use sleep for a number of different things, but we use REM sleep in particular to process emotional memory. So if, say, for example, you have a disagreement with somebody during the day at work, not that you ever would, of course, but you know what I mean, and you get home <laughs> and you say to yourself, yeah. oh, I'm really annoyed, that person uh, you know, upset me at work today, and you go to bed and you're thinking about it before you go to sleep. And your husband said, don't worry about it. It's absolutely fine. But you're still thinking about it. It's on your mind. And in the night, during REM sleep, you replay that situation in your mind. And you'll either see it in clear pictures, the person and the situation, or more likely, you'll replay the situation as a metaphor. And that's what we call dreaming. And then... So, 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 so the bad person might be like I don't know an angry wolf that jumps out of your exactly. wardrobe or something exactly. like that. Something I, mean, I don't know about you, right. but I still dream about. I mean, I went I went to university a long time ago. Now, I'm still dreaming about the final exams. <laughs> so that's a typical thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? But for me, that's a dream where I'm obviously wow. I'm not, I don't wow. feel I'm prepared enough for something. I think you know. But anyway, so you're generally dreaming in some kind of metaphor. And then when you wake up in the morning, you're feeling a lot better and you're thinking, oh, I don't even know why I let that person bother me so much. So your brain has been processing that emotional experience that you had during the day. But REM sleep is limited to about 20% of your sleep because it takes a lot of energy. So if you've been experiencing a lot of stress or emotional trauma or anything like that, your REM sleep may not be enough to process all the stuff that you've been going on in your brain. Now, I just want to say something, maybe a little touch on a little bit about about your work, if you don't mind, because um, it seems like, you know, it's it's a very, very interesting um, sector that you're working in. But 
I think at the same time, it's got the potential maybe to be a little bit stressful. But what we would say about stress. <laughs> You're okay. telling me. Oh, my God. The amount, of, the amount of big pants I've gone through. I'm not joking. Yeah, it's really well, traumatic. Stre- Let's talk about how stress is caused. So we can say that in a way, it's not so much the situation that causes the stress so much as our thinking around it. So let's talk about the fire service, for example. We know that fire officers rush into burning buildings every day. They do dangerous things, things that we could never contemplate. I'm not saying they don't suffer from stress, but they get up and they do it every day. So maybe it's not the situation that's causing the stress so much as the thinking around it. Yeah, that's that 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 would make sense because I often, for instance, you know, we've just been talking about um, an upcoming um, program um, uh, of the podcast is all about you know haunted prisons, and I I remember going into this one particular place. It was the old hospital, and in my mind, before anything had actually happened. I was on my own and I felt very, very vulnerable and it was completely black and everybody else was a long way away from me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm putting myself in a really bizarre, frightening situation. Um, and, and lo and behold, uh, it's on my Instagram page, you can actually hear what sounds like something being dragged across the floor. Now, I only stayed there for a few seconds, but you know, that haunted me for so long because we went back. I went back with somebody else and the same thing happened again and more noises. And yet we we searched this whole place. There was nothing there. And I've been in so many situations where I've I've seen things that defy logic that are so frightening that have completely terrified me to the point of um, resigning from the show because I'm so frightened of it. And I think, and but at the same time, I'm loving it. Just It's like an adrenaline rush. So it's, it, it's a very hard thing. And I do sometimes, I do remember a lot of the, the night terrors, but a lot some of them I don't. And Carl will tell me, do you remember what happened last night? No, I don't. And I have no recollection whatsoever. But I will wake up and I, I know that I've been screaming because my throat is so sore. And he said, you had a really bad one. I couldn't stop you. You were screaming and screaming and hitting out and I had to hold you and, you know, make sure that you were okay. But you eyes were open and you were looking in the, in the same, you know, like something was there. And I'll have no recollection of that whatsoever. Okay, so a couple of things just like to revisit on that. Without a doubt, para, parasomnia, of which night terrors is one of them, are generally worse when people feel when people are under stress. And we use a metaphor called the stress bucket. So there's a lot of stressful things going on right now for everybody, you know, the pandemic, what's going on in Ukraine, all those things. Even if you don't really watch the news, we've still got lots of stuff going on, which perhaps we didn't have before, you know, cost of living, all that stuff. And it's all, all that stuff is piling into what we call your stress bucket. And then, you know, you go off and you, you know, you're interested in these things and it's amazing. And sometimes you experience that as, as, as fear. And that also goes into the stress bucket. And before you're knowing, you, you know, your stress bucket's overflowing and, you know, perhaps you're experiencing more of these things than you would do normally. But it's also interesting what you said about it, the relationship between fear and excitement, because those things are very, very close. And it's very interesting because now people tend to talk less about 
fight, flight response and more about what they call arousal. So when we're excited to do something, uh, you know, before we give a speech or we do, you know, something, you know, a performance or something, you know, even we're looking forward to like going on holiday or having a party. And when we think about fear and when we're watching a horror film, for example, we get that thrill. The two feelings are not always that different, but your body is in a heightened state. Um, so I think that that's quite interesting. Can I just scroll back though to what you were saying about the fear? You know, because you've been doing this a long time, I think, Yvette, haven't you? You've been working in this field a long time, and I, I've been watching some of your programs for a long time, I think. And um, it's they are really exciting. But who decides it's frightening? Because you're still here, and to a, to a greater extent, unharmed, I think, by by your amazing career in this in this area. But you know. How would it be if you chose to experience it as thrilling rather than frightening? Would that be possible to reorient your thinking about it? I think you can have thrilling um, adventures. So when I'm with a group of people, so when I'm with my team, it's less, it's not frightening, it's more thrilling. Um it's when there are, it's either myself on my own or perhaps another person and you are catapulted into some horrific place and you know that there's, you know, if anything happens to you, you've only got each other. And it's, it's the knowing. I've seen the most horrific things, you know, scratches, burns, people collapsing, fainting, having to call the accident an emergency because somebody's actually gone unconscious and stopped breathing. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it, but it, I've seen it with my own eyes and I'm experiencing all of this and it's all going into my head. And yet, you know, like Carl, my husband and, and I are going, oh, you know, um, I can't wait to go on our next investigation. <laughs> And I genuinely am looking forward to it. I'm really excited. But if Carl says to me, would you mind going off on your own? I'll go, no, I, re I really don't want to. And then Carl and the rest of the team will go, yeah, but we've all done it. You've, you've got to go off on your own. And and I think over the years, I've managed to do it. But as I've got older, and I know this sounds crazy, but the menopause does crazy things to you, um, to, to us ladies. And I think you're... you're braveness dis is sort of sucked out of you a little bit. And I think I'm, I'm great with other people and I know what I'm doing and I'm leading the team and all the rest of it. But when it comes to me on my own, all of a sudden these demons come out in my head and I'm thinking also everything that I've seen over 20 years, the scratches, the burns, all of that, is it going to happen to me on my own? I've never had anything physically harm me. I've had things thrown at me um, and hurt me, but I've never been scratched or burned, but I've seen it. And this is what's going on in my head. I think I'm aware of what they can do. I think, I think, you know, when we talked about the stress bucket, your stress bucket can get full very quickly or it can happen over a gradual period of time. And I think, you know, it was interesting what you said earlier on about watching Mary Poppins and Winnie the Pooh and stuff like that, because you're, what you're actually doing is, um, you know, you've understood that you need to find ways to reduce that stress in your stress bucket. So I guess uh, working, you know, being, if you're working in a sector which is, 
contributing to to stress. I mean, as as you as as your sector is, I think. Then I think uh, in your investigations, I think you have to be careful to offset that then with uh, making sure that you're reducing stress and working on reducing your stress load when you're not actually actively involved in an investigation. And maybe, like you said, you know, you said when you have your team around you, you feel good and you feel in intellectual control. And you, it's much more thrilling, and and maybe find ways to put yourself in a situation where you can still continue to do the amazing things that you're doing, and um, you still encounter the things that you're encountering, but without that putting too much in in the stress bucket. <laughs> you're listening to Alexandra Gibson telling me now, hey, send somebody else to go off on their own. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm only joking, but it is, it, I am, I am going to do that from now on because I, I have to think of my health and my mental health. So I just wanted to move on now to something else that um, maybe more people suffer from than sleep terrors, which is of course, sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah. And, and mm. on, on, on this episode, we've talked more in detail really about sleep paralysis and how people feel this, you know, they're being, um, they can't move, they can't open their eyes as if something, a big weight's pressing them down. Um, and then we've tied in this sort of legend of the incubus and succubus and how people have actually talked about, you know, they're having sexual pleasure with a spirit and, um, it, you know, they're, it, it's actually exciting them and so on. They're waking up, they're not there, but they've actually enjoyed themselves. And some people really believe that they are having um, these relationships with a, a, a spiritual entity. I, I'm sure those two things are perhaps slightly related. I'm not sure, but that's why you're the expert. So tell us about sleep paralysis. Okay. Well, that, it's interesting, as you've already said, you know, we can have night terrors, but also we can have extremely intense pleasurable dreams as well. So, you know, our dream state can be very emotional. And as I said earlier, REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. Rapid eye movement sleep is a kind of lighter sleep and it's used for processing emotional memory. And um, while you're in, it's called rapid eye movement sleep because while you're sleeping, your eyes are moving. So you're experiencing and seeing things and you're effectively dreaming, right? Now, while we're in rapid eye movement sleep, there's something called muscle atonia. Now, what that does is it relaxes your muscles and it, is, it induces a kind of sleep paralysis while you're in REM sleep. Now, we don't know 100% why we experience sleep paralysis, but one of the you know, um, most logical reasons is that it stops us from acting out our dreams. So while we're in that phase of sleep, the body actually paralyzes itself so you don't start running around and doing the things that you're dreaming about. And what happens is when you wake up, you get your um, muscles back again. But sometimes what happens, now this is a theory about sleep paralysis, is that when you wake up, there's a mismatch between waking up and getting your muscles back again. And that's when you experience this sleep paralysis where you're feeling that you're lying there and you're trying to scream, for example, is a very common one, or you're trying to move and you can't move. But that's because there's been a slight mismatch between waking up and getting your muscles sort of function back. 
This is the theory. Now, the other thing is that when people experience that feeling of being paralyzed and not being able to speak or shout out or scream or whatever they want to do, is they feel like it's going on for a very long time. But in reality, it's seconds. But it feels, the perception is that it's going on for a very long time. And then, of course, it's very... um, Concerning, isn't it? When when you wake up and you think, you know, I was paralysed. You know, it's it's hard to think of, of a, a more distressing situation. So if somebody experiences this and they kind of dwell on it and think about it a lot, then maybe um, it becomes a kind of self fulfilling prophecy because the more you think about it, perhaps the more likely it is to happen, or you're more likely to be worried about it. So I would say to people, it's a natural phenomenon. It's a mismatch between um, that sleep atonia, which you need during REM sleep to stop you running around doing stuff, and then uh, waking up in your natural state. And it's just a bit of a mismatch in the timing, really. And as you know, the brain is such a complicated, enormous um, part of the human being and we don't actually know its full potential and we don't really know do we like we're saying what what happens to us fully when we sleep does our spirit go somewhere are we are could we perhaps be seeing you know a lot of these people that are reporting seeing spirits in the bedroom at night time could we perhaps be seeing somebody from another dimension that just happens to in that moment be there we don't know for sure and that I think is what because we don't understand it we look to people like yourselves to try God please help us you know make me not be so frightened to go to sleep and there is a logical explanation and as you just said in most cases there is a logical explanation but in some there aren't there's so much we we don't understand I think that's true. But I think also, I think for me, from where where I'm coming from, it's about meeting those situations with less fear and more intellectual curiosity. And then that way you're not allowing the situation to um, cause you stress. Do you know what I mean? I think think that, that would be the secret for me because there are lots of unknowns in life. But it's how we encounter it's how we encounter those unknowns and how we deal with them. So it's not the situation that should be causing us fear, but maybe our thinking around it. And if we can change the way we think around it and meet it with more of an intellectual curiosity rather than fear, then uh, we, we'll, we'll all be a bit happier about it. I think. Yes, tell me about it. What what other forms of parasomnia are there? We've got the sleep, uh, the the, the um, night terrors, and also yeah. the you know, the paralysis, as it were. So are there any others? So so parasomnia is really sort of a catch-all expression for conditions that happen in and around sleep. So for children, uh, you know, um, bedwetting could be considered a parasomnia. But more for adults, there's things like um, bruxism, which is like teeth grinding. That's quite Oh, I do that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, that's generally... um, Yes, that's probably something related to reducing stress, I think. <laughs> but it's very, very common. Just give me uh, a stick. That's all I need. Just just give throw her a stick at night. She'll be fine. Chew on that, love. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just you just not, you maybe need to talk to the dentist about that as well. Yeah, um, I, I think like, so, yeah. <laughs> tooth guards and that kind of thing. Um, sleep paralysis we've already covered, I think. 
um, a REM sleep behavior disorder, which is actually, I think we've touched on, and that is where people actually do start moving around during the night. Uh, Sleepwalking, um, sleep eating. You know, some people have been known to get up and and, uh, start raiding the fridge, that kind of thing. Um, There's restless leg syndrome. That's more likely to be a physical thing. And if you're suffering from that, Mm. perhaps check in with your GP. Um, I, I would also say if you are suffering from anything regular um, for two or three nights a week, over over a month, I would say, just check in with your GP as well. It's always worth doing that. Um, so you can go to your GP. You, I didn't know that you could perhaps go to your GP about the sleeping and, and that oh, sort yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Oh, really? oh that's, that's handy to know. I can hear yeah. everybody going, oh, good. That's good. Yeah, definitely. Great I mean, well, insomnia is generally classified as having sleep problems for over three nights a week over a period of a month to three months so if it's going on for a long time um i think obviously check you know the things that you're already doing about it sound really good you know finding ways to relax understanding what things you find relaxing working on reducing stress in your life obviously is a good one but you know when i work with people who've got sleep problems also there are quite some kind of quite um Small things that you can change that will help you sleep. You know, we talk about our sleep routine, going to the same, going to bed at the same time every night, for example, things like that. Um, things like looking at your bedroom environment, making sure it's not too hot, that kind of thing. And also looking at stimulants, things like caffeine. I saw somebody recently um, who'd been troubled for about 12 years. And uh, when we sat down and we went through everything and added it all up, she was drinking about seven cups of coffee a day. I don't think she'd actually realized how much. And as soon as she stopped it, her life completely changed because her sleep completely changed. Oh, cool. How interesting. Yeah, it could be something as, you know, you're allergic to cheese. So that has a, mm-hmm. an impact on you. But, but, Eating late at night was another one. Drinking ooh. liquids after 8 p.m. often prompts people to wake up in the night and want to go to the loo. You know, mm. so they're big, it can be small things. You know, there's obviously all the stress thing is, is, a, is a big dimension and very common for, for, for a lot of people. But there are smaller things as well to look at. So, um, you know, there, there, are, there are lots of ways to help people. So we need good sleep because good sleep is about housekeeping for the brain if you imagine during the day you're making a complete mess of the house and then at night when you sleep your brain's getting in there and tidying it all up so if you're not sleeping things up there are going to get a bit untidy what a great way to think about that i love that your brain's giving everything a good tidy up at night well um, that's right but that's why it's so important do you think there's any ties, lastly, do you think there's any ties at all? For me, there is with the paranormal. So do you think that, um, you know, sleep and perhaps people seeing things or perhaps being able to um, foresee things that happen in the future? We've got some very famous cases, haven't we, where people have seen that, for instance, the twin, twin towers happening before they actually happened. My cousin Stuart actually saw that months before it happened, which was extraordinary. Well, that's that's a really good question. I mean, let's talk about it in a broader sense of one of one of those things is problem solving. So there's a quite a big thing going on uh, in the city, you know, and you know when people are trying to uh, make investments and that kind of thing, they're looking at all the different algorithms and all the different things. But actually, one of the things that they're they're using, some people are using, is uh, sleep as a way of um, problem solving. So they might look at certain things before they go to bed and look at certain problems before they go to bed and during the night 
obviously their brain will be processing it and the next day they might be able to make a prediction about what certain something might do on the stock market. Uh, and that's a tactic that's used by some traders, I think. Um, so our brain is incredibly powerful and it has a lot of data and information in it, which is in our subconscious. And um, if we listen to that, then all kinds of solutions and things can come forward. And it's actually being able to harness that. So in a way, I think that some things about foresight might be related to that, where we actually, our brain is actually putting things together and, and seeing things that might conceivably happen, which our conscious mind is not necessarily aware of. So that I think some parts of foresight might be explained by that. However, you know, as I said before, you know, there, there are many, many things that we don't understand about the world and the brain. And um, I think we, it's best to keep an open mind. You know? Alexandra Gibson, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and um, I, I feel refreshed already. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. We'll be back again next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk. That's www.paranormalpod.co.uk, where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We do want to hear from you. We get so excited when you send in your story. Uh, or questions and if you have either of those uh, then get in touch uh, at paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com that's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com or you can leave a voice note on whatsapp and here's the number 075-999-27537 that's 075-999-27537 and we're on instagram uh, at paranormal activity pod that's at paranormal activity pod listen you have a very nice evening make sure you watch mary poppins you watch winnie the pooh the old ones they're the best relax and get cozy and have a fantastic safe night's sleep i know i'm going to and remember things aren't always as they seem Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.